0: hi there welcome to the home with havila podcast i'm your host havila cunnington and today i am not alone i'm actually bringing my very own love of my life baby maker brains of the operation ben thomas cunnington hi
1: Hey, how's it going? Thank you for saying my middle name. That's how I usually prefer to be introduced.
0: I know. That's why I did it. No. Guys, I'm so excited. Today, we're going to continue our whole series on marriage. We're going to talk about relationships, marriage, all the things. And this is our part three. And we're talking about separate callings. How do you live your story, dream chasing God's way, when it doesn't look the way you think it should? Or maybe your spouse. Something totally different on their life, and you're trying to figure out how to run together. So, let's jump into this topic. We're going to try to be as hopefully not just honest, but hopefully practical to help you guys really know how to do this well. And if you're not married or you want to be one day, this hopefully will give you a little bit of some advice to get you going, and hopefully, well, maybe empower you to think about maybe marrying someone that isn't exactly what you think. Uh, you would, uh, but it really is the person God has for you. So, let's jump in. All right. I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> okay. Ben and I started dating 16, nope, 18 years ago, 17 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. 2004. I don't know. I can't do the math.
0: I can't either. But anyway, we started dating and we immediately fell for each other. We sure did. <laughs> but, um we we dated it was easy to date it was easy to fall in love but there came a point in our relationship i had done a little research on this and about 70 i believe 75 80% of couples according to studies those people right um, say that couples break up when they're engaged and usually 80% actually get back together and get married. So not everybody, but there is a group of people that have this kind of crisis in their relationship. Um, and Ben and I were no different. We had a crisis when we were engaged where I had told him, you know, I feel called to travel the world and preach and speak and write books. And if you're not interested in doing that, that I can't marry you. Do you remember
1: that? <laughs> I do. I remember you giving the ring back, getting out of the car and- I drove away, um, yeah, really like, oh my gosh, what What are we doing? <laughs> What's happening here? So I don't
0: know why engagement needs to be as dramatic as we make it, but it is kind of a very dramatic season.
1: I think it, uh, I was just thinking about it, and I think that it has to do with this, there's a little bit of trepidation knowing, okay, this is like forever commitment, and this is the moment of, is there, <laughs> if there's going to be an out, it should be now.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah. And I think it's partly your own personal anxiety that you're wanting the other person to manage. Don't you think? True. So it's like, I feel anxious about this decision. So I'm going to poke holes in this and I'm going to put you on trial so that you can make the decision for me by reacting poorly. Mm, That's good. (laughs) So for me, I was waiting for Ben to react poorly. I gave him the ring back. I walked inside. I was crying. Ben was crying and then no less than 24 hours later after my parents had completely disowned me and adopted him um he said listen i want to do what you want to do i'm in it i i if that's on your life then i will follow that and um i'll support that and i'll champion that and i still want to marry you and i think this will work
1: i think it was more of a i will i want to partner with you in it not so much like i'm going to follow you I think that we. I thought you said
0: like as long as I can have sex with you, I don't care where we go.
1: That's all I need. Just, just don't. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm burning with passion. Let's just do this thing. No, um, I think we're we're
0: joking, but (laughs) we are joking fully. Really?
1: Well, I'm. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that back then. I'm sure we were excited for the moment, but um, no, I think there was a partnership of like uh, because for me specifically, you talk about different callings, I was in a journey of discovering that as well. So I didn't have as clear of a picture of this is what I'm called to do and what I'm going to do. And, you know, I wasn't as like on a mission and determined Mm -hmm. in that particular season as you were. So I'm like, okay, well, I love her and I'm going to, you know, I, I think we can figure this out.
0: Yeah. You were much more hopeful than I was. And then we decided to go forward Um, and no, with no turning back, there wasn't any like, oh, I don't know if we should get married or anything like that. We knew this was the one we had chosen each other. We were excited. And then about a year into marriage, I went into another crisis of, oh my gosh, my husband does not have a plan for our future. He doesn't know where we're going or what we're doing, which is not true, but that's what I was thinking.
1: Jeez, what a what a loser.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just being honest because that was in my brain. And I remember calling mm-hmm. a man named John Houghton. I called John and and I explained to him that there was something broken in our relationship and that Ben needed to be fixed because clearly he doesn't have this vision and long-term plan And John challenged me and he said, the problem is, Havala, your father was a visionary and a planner and a driver. So you see that as leadership, but that's only one way that someone leads. And Ben is a very strong leader. You have to just learn a different style of leadership.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I think that was super helpful for you because... um... It was. You were very connected to your family. Your dad was your main, obviously, male influence in your life. You didn't have a brother. Um, And so, yeah, there was, I think, an immediate inherent comparison of like, this is what a man should be, or this is how they should lead or show up or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. So then I went on the journey of trying to figure out how I was going to be me in the middle of the relationship. Now, God had a sense of humor because I got pregnant three months into marriage and then another nine months later. And then in between that, I began to talk to God about my calling. So initially when you have infants and all of you people in the trenches of littles, let me tell you what your brain, how your brain is operating and what you're doing with your everyday life is not normal. It is a complete and utter blur. Like you're lucky to have put pants on. You're lucky to have buttoned your shirt normally. it's Don't worry. I mean, sometimes I think we're so hard on ourselves. We think we should figure our whole lives out when we're only getting three to four hours of sleep a night in a row. Um, we're trying to, you know, make a baby, feed a baby, keep a baby alive, have a new marriage, you know figure out finances, how to keep everybody in diapers. Like it's intense. And I want you to know that that is not going to be your whole life. I promise you. And there'll be a season when the smoke will clear and your head will clear and you'll have a lot more um, clarity and focus and you can definitely figure things out. Um, But right now, um, and for me it was, my life was just a blur. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in the business of making babies. So I am pregnant nursing, recovering from a C-section, getting pregnant again while while nursing, then having a baby, second C-section, recovery, postpartum depression, recovery. So I'm in it. And all of a sudden, I start getting really healthy. It's when I started going through my boundary classes. And now I'm thinking about focus and calling. I've got energy. I'm ready to go. And at one point, I've told you guys this before. You guys could go into my messages to hear this. But I really felt the Lord say, I want you to quit your part-time job and I want you to sacrifice so that you can write a Bible study. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. I just knew that it was going to require sacrifice and I knew I needed to tell Ben. So one night, I, I always felt like I was Esther. I made dinner and I lit candles and I, I tend to make you food when I want to tell you hard things or deal with
1: hard things. <laughs>
0: True. Right? Yeah, It's like it's totally. the Italian in me. Um, but I... I decided I would go on a walk with him that night with the two littles and we would have a conversation about calling and what was on my life and I chickened out. I'll never forget. I just chickened out. I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to talk about it because I knew that what I was like proposing was going to be very different than how we were living and I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a check in the mail that was going to confirm that this was the right thing. I just had this kind of desire and this deep, like embedded purpose that I knew I needed to do on the earth. And so the second night we go on a walk, we do the exact same thing. And I'll never forget the crossroad of the streets where I told Ben, um, you know, I just really um feel like um like I'm supposed to write books and I think it'd be good for me to uh quit my job and <laughs> I think I should focus on that. And I thought Ben would shut me down, but instead Ben literally without a beat says I could see that. I think we should do that. And you have to understand when he said that, and I'll give him a chance to share. Don't worry. That meant we were going to, I was going to quit my job, which would take away the finances for a second car, the home we were living in. Um, I found out I was pregnant not much longer from that point. We moved in with a family. Um, we were waiting on this other home that wasn't opening up quite yet. And it required sacrifice. We sold a car, we got rid of, we moved out of the house, we moved in with a family member. I mean, it was wild. Um, but Ben held on. Now, what we didn't know was that God was preparing us that in three short years, He would literally remove us from that city, the church we were serving at that point. Um, and I would go full-time into this Bible study and we would travel the world together. And there would be a huge purpose and future in it. But at that point, it felt like all it was was sacrifice and just kind of this weird tension that we always kind of had in our relationship when it came to me wanting to pursue was on my life.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I remember, uh, it seems like actually a long time ago. I know. A different (laughs) lifetime. Um, But yes, that was, you know, that was, I remember having that conversation, walking down the street in the evening, you know. And just feeling this sense of, you know what? Yeah, that's totally on your life, number one. I think that there's, it's important to validate and acknowledge the things that your spouse is called to and the gifting and the graces that are on their life because I feel like sometimes you're just in the chaos of life, right? Or, you know, young kids or marriage or trying to just, you know, survive the day in and day out. But there's value in just affirming each other and who you, you know, who God's made you to be, your calling. And, and so that was a moment of like, okay, but there's action now attached to this. And so, yeah, it was, you know, it was a step of faith and it was a little humbling, I think, for me too, at the same time, because, you know, yes, had had I, do I wish I was in a place where, yes, you don't have to work and you can just do whatever you want to do. And I'll support us as a single income. And it wasn't there, but it was There was this decision that we made together that, hey, we're going to partner together in how we do life, in how we parent, in how we bring, uh, you know, kind of support our family together financially. And that's, you know, that's how we've we've chosen that path. So that was kind of the beginning of that.
0: Yeah. And I, I think to be clear, could we have done it with one salary, you working, me home, Absolutely. I think the sacrifice could have been there. I could have baked bread and cut coupons. And there was a choice that we both made that I wanted to participate in a different way. And so, you know, that was remember, I had done all my boundary classes before all that. So I knew I was at a really a place of power and strength, because now I knew it was in my yard, which was my attitude, choice and feelings. So now I had an opportunity to run with that. So I knew that we were allowed to make a powerful choice. And we were adults. And that was really kind of groundbreaking for me at 30, I want to say thirty. 30- Two,
1: 30. Oh my
0: gosh! Um, <laughs> I was—I mean, I was. <laughs> I'm in my having 30s. a hard
1: time doing math all of a sudden. But yeah, it was—it was early. 30s.
0: Ben turned forty this year, and yeah. he basically there's two things that have happened: aging, yeah. little
1: ailments. He can't remember now. anything,
0: and he's always he, we my both we both hurting. hand out Advil every day. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's real life, I guess. Huh?
0: <laughs> That's right. So, um, so we set out to team, and again, we both kind of were clear about this when we first got married, like we're going to be a team. We're not going to be as traditional. Um, we believe that the kids needed someone at home and that they needed to be cared for. And we were passionate about giving them that. Um, we didn't want to, ha- you know, give our parenting over to somebody else. That was important to us. But um, I we think knew- it was also
1: important that we were both in their lives, right? A Meaning thousand percent. Sometimes you have- Like, yeah, the stay-at-home mom, but the dad's never around, Mm -hmm. right? He's working so much or he's all, you know, he's just consumed. And so I think that was important in that we wanted to have both of us present and kind of partner in that way.
0: And this is where it comes down to. If you are at a place where you're not married yet, um, it's really important that you think about what kind of person you want to marry. And so if money and success is the top of your list... Then don't be surprised if you get replaced by money and success. If, you know, accumulating or, or uh, independence or whatever is important at the top of their list, don't be surprised if that's what you're placed with. So for Ben and I, I knew that yes, there was a sacrifice to marrying Ben in the sense that we would have to partner differently, but I knew that I wanted uh, the top of the list to be the will of God. He loved God, He put me first. There was a lot of things Ben did that made me know it was the right one. Now, I want to say this one story really quick because when Ben and I were dating and I was we were about to be, well, about to be engaged, I called my sister up in a panic. Again, I'm a strong, choleric woman. I am used to running the show. I am used to being successful. I ran multiple um, businesses and, and job roles, and I mean, I was very good at what I did in every aspect. I loved it. So marrying somebody was not a step up. It felt like it was not a step down. It was almost like a. I had, it was a step to the side, but in my mind as a single woman, it was a step down because now I had to make a decision with somebody and I had to figure it out with somebody. But anyway, I caught my sister up and I'm distraught. Deborah, I'm marrying, I want to get married Ben. I love him. I mean, I think he's incredible. I'm Definitely turned on to, by him, um, just so you know. That
1: was really all I needed.
0: <laughs> um, but I I don't know what to do because he's not a visionary leader. Like, I don't know if I could see us doing ministry together. And my sister said something that I will never forget. It was a revolutionary. She said, Havala, type A people are fun to minister with, but they're not always fun to live with.
1: Well, I don't know. Is that true? I guess you could ask me. Are you uh, fun to live with? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. Wow.
0: laughs> Just wow. kidding.
1: Cut that out, Garrett. Cut this out of the episode. No, we're kidding.
0: Um, ex- yeah. So anyway, I was talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: trying to be type A. I'm trying to be type A.
0: <laughs> no, trust me, Ben would know. It's not. I'm. I'm not always the easiest person. So, um, except that was
1: not my point. My point was that, yeah, you actually are fun to live with. Oh, but that's in the moment. In the moment.
0: And it's true. I was looking at him as a filter of could we be ministry partners? That is not the filter in which anyone should go to marriage. It should be, can we do life together? Because ministry will come and go. Opportunities will come and go. But do you really like this person? Do you enjoy them? You know, somebody once said, a pastor years ago said, the three things that you should look for in a spouse is, do they love God? Because if they love God, you're gonna be a lot safer than them not loving God. So do they love God? Because God can, if they love God, then they're teachable. They have a moral compass. Uh, they wanna please God. That means that they wanna serve marriage and the covenant of marriage. Uh, number two, do you are you attracted to them? So again, I always say, you know, if you're not attracted to this person, you're going to wake up every single day looking at this person. doesn't mean that it has to be, you know, like a Brad Pitt experience, but it has to be something that's like, okay, I enjoy them. I'm, I'm attracted to them while my husband's having a moment. I told you that at the beginning of our marriage, (laughs) if Brad Pitt came knocking on the door, I would have to leave you. You knew, you knew that like, that's not a new thing. Now we
1: all know. I'm going to find that guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know what's sad about it is he seems more miserable than cute. Anyway, so, um, and then the, the third thing is, do you have a good friendship? Do you enjoy each other? Yeah. And Ben and I, we laugh Every single day. We are at the point in our marriage where we both tell each other, we wait all day, we collect all these things, and then we tell each other. And we laugh. We love each other. We would hang out as friends even if we weren't married.
1: Mm -hmm, For sure. We think each other are pretty hilarious.
0: Yeah, we are the funniest people we know.
1: You're the funniest person I know for
0: sure. <laughs> so um, all that to say, that was part of it. So now let's talk about calling. Let's talk about conflict and calling because people, you know, Ben, you and I make it look like, oh, and a lot of people say, I cannot believe your husband supports you in what you do. And I just say, you know, I didn't know that he shouldn't. No, I'm kidding. I just, I'm curious for you. Um, what What does it mean to have separate callings? And did you ever see our lives as separate callings?
1: Well, yeah, it's a big question. Um, I think that yes, but I think separate callings make sense to me because we're separate people, right? God made us uniquely individual, obviously men, you're a woman, I'm a man. So I think there's, to me, I think, of course, we're not going to be identical in terms of our calling has to match up for us to be together and for us to have a happy marriage and for us to like enjoy life together. I think that there's dynamics that happen, right. In terms of if, um, you know, if they're completely different where it's, Hey, I have, you know, there's just practical factors, right. Season of life, all that stuff. But I think that individual callings is what most of the world lives in. You know, I don't, I don't know who, is mary that has we have the exact identical calling so is that your question no i I think it's a
0: great answer and what i think the world gets distracted on is they think you have to have this you both have to chase different dreams and i think one thing i realized was having judah and hudson our two older boys judah is a dreamer he loves costumes he loves pretend when he was little he loves Uh, creative filming and editing and all of that. Hudson, not so much, not a creative, but you know what? He'll wear the costume Judah picks out. He'll plan, he'll do all of it and he'll get so involved. It will look like his dream. And I felt the Lord one time spoke to me and said, in our church culture specifically, we elevate the dreamer, but we actually don't elevate the, the keeper, the dream keeper, the one that makes it happen. And so for Ben and I, we don't elevate the dreamer or the dream keeper. They both work simultaneously. They just are different.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that when you're talking about calling, I think we have multiple callings, right? Like if there's, you know, I mean, our first calling, right, is to God, to each other, to our family. And then we have a call together in ministry. And that has multiple expressions so do
0: you feel like when i'm traveling or i'm doing things how do you how do i bring you in to make it feel like we're doing this together
1: well i think the um the details in terms of you'll always we stay you know we're intentional to stay connected when you're gone when we're when you're on a trip um, and you'll give me updates and you'll tell me this is what happened in the meeting or this is what, you know, I was, you know, this, I did this altar call and the X amount of people came down. And so there's, you're very specific to connect like what's happening in what you're doing to the rest of the family, to me and, the, and we do that with the boys, right? And we'll remind the boys, hey, mom's gone right now, but. This is our family actually reaching the world and we're sowing into other communities and people are being impacted and changed, you know, by the Lord. So um, I think those kind of realizations really helped me stay connected and know like, hey, this is this is us. This is our family. This isn't just you out being a road warrior by yourself.
0: Yeah. So how does a woman who's listening to this or a man, but mostly I'm talking about women today. Um, what if they feel like they have a specific calling and they don't see their husband leading that, what's the best thing they can do to start that process and maybe the conversation?
1: Well, I think what you did, you know, with, when you, you know, were, you were nervous and you were like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what he's going to think or what he's going to say. I think being honest and being able to actually communicate and share, the dreams, the desires, even if you don't even fully know what it's going to look like yet. I think that's the first step is having a, a vulnerability and an honest conversation and and just talking about that.
0: Yeah. Because one thing that you had, you and I had to do was unpack this perceived world story that you needed to have be the the dreamer, the success, the visionary. So it wasn't something I was putting on Ben he also had been you know educated in in life that success looked a certain way i mean people were so they didn't mean to be but they were derogatory they would say oh are you is your husband staying home with the kids is he the house mom or and there was so much of it where i wanted to say no not at all in fact ben is editing, filming, running our staff. So there's this assumption that somebody is a lesser value and doing lesser things when they're just very different. And, and again, that's kind of my own pet peeve. But does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think that what goes back to what I was saying about actually acknowledging what are the strengths and giftings of each other, of, of both spouses, right? And so if you have, even if it's a gift that you want to grow in, you know, I think there's a measure of being able to validate that. And I think it's important for a husband to, to do that with with their wife. You know, so it's like, hey, did if... You,
0: did you know that? How did you know that you could do that?
1: Well, I, I think I figured it out by trial and error. I don't think I intentionally set out or had that thought process early on, especially. I think it kind of evolved because you were initiating, like, I have these dreams. And, and so I began to catch that and understand after, yeah, a lot of hard years, honestly, of me kind of fighting you or feeling insecure in my own skin or ability or gifting because yours was maybe more outward or more, you had more drive, outward drive. And so I think it, yeah, was a was a little bit of trial and error of me realizing, hey, no, this is actually... I remember John Houghton, same same yeah. same pastor gave me counsel and saying, "Hey, actually, you need to be able to flip the script of you the giftings and the calls and the things that your wife is gifted in are actually meant to be a blessing to your life. And until you see them as a blessing to your life, then you're going to just be fighting it or feeling insecure and you're going to be it's going to be hard." And so I think there was a time where I'm like, "Okay, I Yes. These are a gift and a, and I I mean, I can fully see it. I've grown and I think you have challenged me in a lot of ways, um, that have not forced me to, but I have pushed me to grow and mature and actually develop other giftings and things that I, you know, 15 years ago, I would have, you know, I just wasn't in that place.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think, too, you wouldn't have said you were insecure, and I wouldn't have even thought you were insecure. I think you, there was never a competitive side to you, so it didn't feel this sense that you and I were competing or anything like that. I think there was a a validation I was getting that maybe you weren't getting at that point, and there was a bit of a um, learning to get your needs met in a healthy way and knowing what your needs were, and I don't think you really knew how to do that for many, many years in our marriage, and you've worked really hard. I mean, you've worked so hard to figure out what are my needs, how do I get them met, and that has actually helped me um, feel even better about what I do and and allow me to be feel safer in what I do because you've done some serious work.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. And again, through, you know, uh, hard painful you know mistakes or just different things where you're like oh man that's yeah if I too bad I couldn't have connected this dot before (laughs) the anger or the whatever happened you know that forced kind of forced me to hey you're either going to deal with this and figure out how to get your needs met in a right way that's going to lead to confidence and being like able to show up in the relationship well um, or it's not going to be fun Um, but yeah I think that can I ask yeah. you a
0: question? Um, what do you think about somebody who is they they feel this on their life, um and but their spouse doesn't recognize it, won't will not acknowledge it. Um what what do they do? What would you recommend they do?
1: That's a great question. I think that there because I was thinking a little a few minutes ago about just the balance of that's what that's what my thought was. It was me <laughs> being able to recognize what are my needs and how do I get them met. And I have to actually, um, it's up to me to communicate them to you. And so I tend to be a helper, right? And I'll come alongside and I will take care of everyone else's needs before my own, um, which is, sounds great, but then that can backfire. And so-
0: Why does it backfire? Uh,
1: because then I get frustrated and I get- um, I start to get angry because I'm, something is off and I'm not actually fighting for my own needs or fighting for my own, you know, if I do have, when I do have dreams or desires or things that I want to, you know, go after or do or spend time doing, you know, sometimes where it's just like, if I don't communicate that, then it's, yeah, it just, it doesn't work out. Yeah. So I would say if a spouse isn't validating it, I think that There, there's, again, if if they're not hearing you, that's one thing, right? If you communicated it, they're not hearing you, then I think it's, you know, you may want to get some counsel because I think that's, you know, we've had counseling at lots of different points in our marriage, whether individually or both of us. So maybe it's individual counseling at first. Maybe it's, hey, let's do, you know, I'm just, I'm having a hard time connecting. I feel like you're not hearing me. I feel like you're not validating or respecting these things that I feel like are a part of, I want to be a part of my life. And that's important. I think we've had a value to as long as we're on the same page and then we can do anything, you know, it's us against the world. But when we're off, if you still, you feel lonely, you feel like, Mm -hmm. okay, man, I'm on my own here and that's not fun.
0: Yeah. And you said it well, I think it was maybe five years ago. We both looked at each other and we're like, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. Like it really, really doesn't, as long as you and I are in sync like, I don't care if the world's applauding. I don't care if the world thinks we have a great marriage. I don't care. Like, if we're not in sync together, who cares? I don't want to live my life. I'm not presenting I really want an authentic relationship and that is painful sometimes to look at certain things and go, okay, we've got to really be honest about these areas and um, go from there. I think, you know, you and I, we're in a really sweet spot and this is taken, this is not an overnight moment, guys. We're talking 16 years this last week, 16 years of figuring this out and now we are really, really in sync, Um, almost like the band.
1: I I wanted to jump in and make an in sync reference. So thank you for doing that.
0: Um, that's why we're married. That's right. Um, okay. So well, what? Can
1: I say one thing yeah. about that? Because I think that there's this sometimes this notion, especially today in the world of social media and the thing in the in the age of, you're just seeing people's highlights. You're seeing people's kind of like, you know, these amazing moments. But I think that. You can stay married and you can have a marriage that where you can be super disconnected and not Mm -hmm. be uh, partnering together at all. But you can be together. And I think that because we both are not okay with that and we're not um, that we've actually had a lot of hard work that we've had to do. And I think that, yeah, sometimes people get tired of the that it's actually work and that it continues Mm -hmm. to be work. And I think um, that we we've been through our cycles of like, man, this is just are we doing this again? <laughs> and um, for sure, this particular instance it's like right a now
0: mountain where you go around, you're like, I remember this. This rock was here before.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's but it's like fighting for the call that's on your life and the call that's on our marriage and our family is it's like, it's that it's a fight. Like there is a war against the family. There's a war against what God has called us to do. And, um, and so if we think that it's just going to be like no big deal and there's not going to be any opposition and there's not going to be any resistance and like, it's just, so, I mean, I'm reminding myself of that right now. And I hope I remember it probably tomorrow when we have (laughs) something come up that (laughs) is an opportunity to lean in or, dig in you know and be stubborn anyways
0: so what would you say um a husband that's listening to this or a wife even what you, what has been the most uh fun part of it or the the most enjoyable part that you didn't expect but you really enjoy our life and be and letting me live out my call to its fullest and you live out your call to your fullest and differently than the world would might present it what do you think has been the most surprising to you the most fun? How have I been the most amazing person in your life?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. I don't think there's any one thing I can um, uh, No, I think the most fun is that we just that we're still having fun. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the most fun to me is thinking, "Wow, 16 years." and it, it honestly, I really feel like it ke- it does keep getting better. And that's the most fun to me is is that it makes me excited for the future um, and the next 20, 30 years, because I feel like, man, if I can just continue to um, build on the things that I feel like we've grown in and the things that I've grown in, it just it makes me excited for the future. So I don't know if that's very specific, but that's what's exciting and fun to me.
0: And even to this day, you will say you still cry at every message I preach. You still laugh at my stories, like you still will tell me I'm one of your top favorite speakers, right?
1: Definitely top 100. No, <laughs>
0: that
1: is mean. I don't even know 100 speakers. <laughs> no, I do. I, I, I do. I cry almost every time you speak or when you're ministering prophetically, things like that. I'm, I'm the emotional one in the relationship, um, and I think that I genuinely. Am surprised at I think where God has brought me and brought us. Um, I never would have expected my life to be like this. I'm I'm incredibly grateful and just kind of blown away at His goodness and that He, you know, He He picked you for me. And I think that there's a level of I think I don't know. I, I'm just I'm I'm. Pinching myself, but at the same time, I know I've you know I've partnered with it. Yeah, it have. wasn't just like wow, this is you know I because if I didn't engage, it wouldn't be what it is. Like you'd probably be, we'd be miserable. Mm-hmm. So it takes both of us engaging in the process and in the tension and the pain and all of it. So
0: I think it comes down what I was trying to say, and I love what you're saying. Um, is you respect the call of God in my life, so you don't put up with it. You don't just manage it you don't just try to steward it i feel like you respect it like you look at me as a separate person that has a different call and you have been able to respect that no matter what's going on in our inner world you still give me the space to 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 help the world around us and you don't you could easily try to shut that down but you in your compassion and love for other people You want the gift that's on my life to get to people that need it. And to me, that's the sacrificial part of the story.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's true. I think that there is a, I definitely respect it. I think that, I don't think that it's, you know, again, I'm not putting you up on a pedestal at all. I think that that, but there is a level of whenever I have not respected it, um, I feel, yeah, I feel, I feel that. Mm -hmm. And I know when I'm not. And when I, when I know when I'm, when I do, and likewise with you, I think that you have a mutual respect for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's super, super, uh, important, you know, for there to be a mutual and there's seasons where maybe one is emphasized more or this, you know, if you're in a super busy season or you're doing a lot, which, um, can happen. I think that those, those can ebb and flow, but I think at the core It does come down to you where there has to be a mutual respect for what we're both called to do, what we're, what we're gifted in. And, um, so yeah.
0: So what would you say people would be surprised to know about you that people would not see from the outside?
1: Surprised about me in what way?
0: Well, just, I mean, first of all, when I leave, you have all four boys and you've done that since they were infants. Yeah, I have left. I mean, I didn't like to leave. I never left the babies um until they were about a year old. I think they always came with me and I would bring somebody with me. But then, and I never would leave longer than two days when they were little. Um, But you and my mom really individually had the kids their whole lives. You guys, we've never had, except for maybe, I can think of maybe on one hand, somebody spend the night with our kids and we have traveled. I've traveled 250,000 miles almost every year. Like I have, I've, we've been on the road, but we take them with us. Ben stays home with them. Like we work really hard. We're fierce about who gets our kids and how they're nurtured. But I'm wondering, how do you figure out, like when I'm about to leave, what are things that go through your head with the boys that you start to think? And how do you navigate because you have a full time job, it's not like you're at home, uh, just waiting for me to come home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm not. Um, we're yeah, we're both very busy, but I think I don't know. I, I think I've always had this thought and mentality of we're both their parents, like, I'm their dad, I'm not the babysitter that's like, oh my gosh, it's like I, I love being their dad. So if you're gone, like, I'm here and I'm their father, and it's me and the boys. I don't think it's an accident that we had four boys Mm -hmm. and that their mom travels and their dad is with them a lot. Um, I think that my mentality is, okay, I try to sometimes, you know, me, sometimes when you're gone... I get a little over uh, thinking, like I'm gonna get all this stuff done, and it's gonna no, be amazing. No,
0: no. Let me clarify this. Ben, <laughs> Ben will literally. I'll say, "What are you gonna do?" Because I'll be gone for a day or two, and he'll go, "I'm gonna clean the garage. We got all the cars clean. I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm gonna
1: take the boys out. Yeah, I'm take Barkley. We're gonna have date
0: out. with each child. I'm going to read the entire Bible to each of them at night before bed. Like Ben has these huge expectations, <laughs> and then I come home, and he's like. Well, it didn't really go as planned, um, <laughs> but we do have a few things. We do really work on, um, uh, what what do you call like entrance and exits? Enters and ex- What do we call it? Off-road?
1: Yeah, like the, the, on ramp the and- exit and re-entry.
0: re-entry. That's what I was trying to think of. We're really particular. You guys, this is where we crashed and burned almost every time. It was not being on the trip. It was definitely not just doing normal life, but on the exit, That was, we totally crashed and burned because I had all this anxiety of, I need the house to be right. I'm feeling a little bit of guilt and shame that I'm leaving. Uh, I feel bad for Ben. He's going to be abandoned. And he's got all these kids. I mean, I had all these like weird thoughts going on. So I would over-function, over-plan, over-prepare, and just be really neurotic. And then I would come home. And when I would come home from a trip, I was exhausted, like utterly like bone tired. I had spoke, I had done hotels and flights and all the things, and I would come home and I would crash crash land.
1: And the amazing part was that I was fully refreshed as if I had just been to like the spa (laughs) for a weekend.
0: Yeah, right. Ben's thinking, I'm gonna get relief, my wife is coming home. And I'm like, I am the prophetess, evangelist, traveler, like I'm going to be able to have two days to rest, recover. And it was just like a bomb went off in our relationship in life. And so I think what's really important is we have to come up with a plan. So Ben and I, I am not kidding. We would literally talk it through every single time. Before I go on a trip, we go on a walk. We talk through what the exit's going to look like. What do we have to get done while we're gone? What are we thinking about? When I get home from a trip, we go on a walk. We talk about what I need to know that I missed. Uh, What were the struggles? What were the successes? So we just like systematically do this to a point where we detox and we like get everything ready. So when we're really open and honest about those things, things get easier. I know this has been a long podcast and we're almost done, but I thought it would be fun for you guys to hear that part. And man, we have had some crash landings.
1: It's, yeah, we, you, again, we never do anything perfectly, but I think that, but um, we try. <laughs> I try for sure, man, I would love to do everything perfectly.
0: Well, remember a- you guys, he's an Enneagram one, right? So that's his, like, that's who he is. I mean, that's the box he sits in. I'm kidding, but he's, he's a perfectionist and a reformer and I go, I'm a seven. So I go to a one when I'm not doing well. So him and I both hit that one, which is there's one way to do it and there's only a right and wrong and you better do it right or you might as well not do it at all. I mean, that's where we, we have both of a tendency to fall. And so it's not a pretty sight when we're both at that place.
1: It's true. So how would you like to end this? Because we are 45 minutes in and like to make out with you. Well, that is not going to happen, but... Um, Are you saving yourself? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right.
1: Um, okay. After this.
0: after Okay. All you know. right. Anyway, you guys, I hope that this answered your questions. Uh, listen... You get to take all the time you need to figure this out. You're not going to miss what God has for you by simply pausing for a minute to work on your marriage, to work on your narrative, to work on your self talk, to partner with the Holy Spirit. There is no rush. God can use you where you are, and He wants to. And He wants to. He wants to help you navigate these hard things.
1: 100. And I think that again, it's not about a destination. This is like a lifelong process and journey. And I think that. My perspective is that if I can learn from mistakes and learn from the things where, oh, okay, that didn't work out or that didn't work out like I thought. Um, and with you and I and our callings and, you know, again, there's, we we have also recognized the seasons of life that we're in and our seasons when they change and shift and we're like, okay, this is a different season and we can do things a little bit differently and let's change, we can change the plan now, we can adjust, we can adapt and so I think that you have to just be willing to be in it for the long haul and the journey and this, and, and just adjust and pivot and serve each other and love each other and repent and come back <laughs> to the table and come back to the why of why are we doing what mm-hmm. we're doing is because there is a greater call and we're committed to that, which means we're committed to each other and we're committed to the process. and We're committed to figuring it out along the way.
0: And now you guys know why I fell in love with him. Like you hear the his words and what he's saying. And you guys, this is who I live with. Like he is such, Ben, you're such an incredible man. I respect you and I love you. And I'm so grateful that you picked me. I'm so grateful to be your wife.
1: Oh, that's sweet, honey. I really appreciate it. Well, back at you, babe.
0: Oh. All right, you guys. That's it for today um, on the podcast. You know what? We I wish I had a book uh, that we wrote. <laughs> We've not written a marriage book yet. Uh, but we're hoping that this series at least encourages you. You can go back. Last week, we talked to a sex coach. Um, and the week before that, we talked about connections. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about restoration and marriage. So again, this entire month is about marriage. And please... Do me a favor, if this spoke to you, will you let us know? I know often we are able to consume things and we love it, but honestly, it's literally the only way to pay it forward for us is to leave a review. Leave us five stars, let the world know. And what happens when you leave that review, it pops the podcast up to the top of the list and it allows people to find us. So please, I know if you've been listening to this for a couple years and it's your go-to and you've never left a review, will you stop right what you're doing right now and do that? That would really, really bless us. If nothing else, I hope you guys have a fantastic day, honey. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having um, me. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.